We uh, always have to be prepared for what God has for us. And uh, my message tonight has a little bit uh, to do with that. And uh, we want to we wanna, uh, <clears throat> be able to share something from the Word of God. And uh, some people made some comments about my last, me last message about how short it was. And I told, them, uh, I told them, I said, well, I said, actually, that was my Super Bowl Sunday message. And I just preached it early so you could get out early to watch your, uh, the Super Bowl Sunday. But pastor's the only one I had prepared because it was only, I think, about 15 minutes, wasn't it, <laughs> when I preached it. So, uh, but uh, uh, I didn't have as much time to prepare the last time, and I didn't have to see this clock up here. But hopefully tonight things will go a little bit better. Y'all are not as scary to me tonight as you were the first time that I preached. But if you will, I want you to take your Bibles and turn to Romans chapter 8, 28. And we're going to talk about things that happen for our good and God's glory. Now, we're all familiar with that verse in Romans chapter 8, and verse 28. And so one of the things that I want to discuss to you is something that I heard a whole lot when I was a child. Growing up as a child, I'd often hear my parents and my grandparents make this statement. And you all nod your head if you hear your, heard your parents or grandparents say, that, say this to you. Well, it's good. It's for your own good. How many of y'all heard people say that to you? Huh? Or they say, I know you don't want to do this, but it's for your own good. How many of y'all even said that maybe to your own children? I'd hear that a lot when I was growing up. And a lot of times I didn't understand what they were saying. It says, then there was times as a child that I would talk too much for my own good. Did y'all ever hear them say that? You see, a lot of times I would... I'd be sitting in the car and maybe I'd be going home from church and hear him say something about the preacher or say something about somebody in the church and then I would be the one that would slip up and say something and it would get out, you know, something that I shouldn't say or something I shouldn't say. If they were talking about another family member, the child would be the one that's kind of slip up. Has that ever happened to you all? Your children kind of speak and say things, huh? You know, we as parents got to be careful about that because we teach them, oh, be careful, little ears, what you hear. Then we say, oh, be careful, little tongue, what you say. Huh? And, but then we turn around and we tell them these things, well, it's for your own good. But you see, what we need to understand here is that it's not always for our own good, is it, when we tell them those things. So if I couldn't understand that as a child, what that phrase meant when discipline was involved. So how could all of that have been good? But if you as a Christian in Romans 8.28, the Apostle Paul tells us, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God and to them who are the called according to his purpose. Now do you all believe that this morning or this evening? Do you believe that? It's in the word of God. We ought to believe that, right? And it says here, many people falsely, I say many people falsely use this scripture every day. A lot of people that aren't saved use this same scripture. Well, all things work together for the glory of God, right? That's what they'll say. But they leave out the two main important parts of this verse that Paul uses. Paul tells us here in these verses that all things work together for good for them that are what? To them who are called and them that love God, right? If you're here today and you're saved, that's who the all things work together for good for, is you that are the saved, you that are a part of the family of God. And we go on here and we see also like the first saying, 
It is that says it's for your own good. If you'll read this verse and you read at the end of this verse, it says to them who are they called according to what? His purpose. It doesn't say anything about our purpose. Nothing about our purpose at all. It's for God's purpose. For God's glory. When we're going through a trial and we can't understand what's going on, do we have the right to ask him why? David asked him why a whole lot of times, didn't he? He didn't understand what was going on. But the thing about it is, it's for God's purpose and for God's glory. Now, I want to take you to somebody in the Bible. God gave us many examples in the Bible of people that he shows us to. But I want you to take your Bibles and turn over to Genesis chapter 50. And we're going to look at the life of Joseph. And see where God used this very verse in his life. If you will, turn to Genesis chapter 50, verse 19. We're going to talk here a little bit about the sale of Joseph. Now, if you all know, Joseph was, probably, was out, of, out of all his brothers. Joseph was the chosen child, right? How many of you in here can say you were the chosen child of all your brothers and sisters? Huh? Can you? Okay. You know a little bit. You know Joseph was the chosen child because he was the one who got the what? The coat of many colors, right? He was the one who was at home with dad while the rest were out working in the fields, right? Joseph was the chosen one, right? All the others were jealous of Joseph. After all, Joseph was the child of Rachel, who was the chosen wife, right? The one that Jacob desired to have, right? He was tricked into getting the other wives, was he not, by Laban? If Jacob had had his way, he wouldn't have had any of the other wives, Am I right? Rachel would have been the only one he had. So Joseph was the chosen one. He had the coat of many colors. And that made all his brothers jealous. That made all his brothers angry with him. And then Joseph had the audacity to have some dreams. And in his pride, what did Joseph do? He told those dreams to his brothers. And what did that do? That just fueled the fire for his brothers, did it not? Here he is at home. He's not having to lift a finger. He's got this coat of many colors. He's not having to do anything. We're out working. Watching the sheep. He's not having to do anything. He's probably sitting with dad doing what he wants to do all day long in comfort. And then he comes and tells us that these dreams, and they knew what those dreams meant. They were interpreting what it meant. They knew that, they, that he was saying that he was going to rule over them one day. But here in Genesis 50, 19, you'll find, we're going to, I want you to see that Joseph, you're going to see that it, to find God's will. In 50, 19, it says, And Joseph said unto them, Fear not, for I am in the place of God. You say, what happened here, Brother Jared? We're at the very end of this story, aren't we? We've jumped from the start to the end. There was a whole lot of things that happened between the start and the end of this. 
Number one, we want you to see the plan. To move Joseph into a place of usefulness. I want you to go back to that verse, and I want you to see something here. It says, And Joseph said unto them, Fear not, for I am in the place of God. See, Joseph didn't have any bitterness to them for what happened to him. Did he? Matter of fact, it said he wept when he saw him. He was glad to see him. Take that word place out and put, I am in the perfect plan of God. Joseph knew that he was in the perfect plan of God or perfect will of God. He knew everything that had happened to him was because of what God had done to him. You say, Brother Jared, how did all this happen? How did all this mischief happen to him? How did all these things happen to him? Why did it happen to him? All of it happened to him because Jesus was in control of everything that happened to him. What did they want to do to him when they, before they threw him in the well? They wanted to kill him, didn't they? What do you think they, that Potiphar's, Potiphar wanted to do to him? He, wanted, he probably wanted to murder him, didn't he? God had his hand on Joseph's life through every event that he went through. And he put him in the place of rulership. But there were some lessons that Joseph had to learn going through that. You said, Brother Jared, is this the only instance in the Bible of things that, that, that God had a plan for or a person that God had a, a plan for? Well, I'll give you another one. For instance, Elijah, it took the drying up the brook for Elijah. It took a natural circumstance for Elijah to get the perfect plan of God for his life. 1 Kings 17, 7, 9 through 9 says, And it came to pass for a while that it came to pass after a while that the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. And the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, Arise, get thee to Zarephath, which belongeth to Zidon, and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow there to sustain thee. For Elijah to get in the perfect will of God, it took a natural circumstance to happen. Elijah was content sitting by the brook. For the prodigal son, it took a dis disappearance of blessings. He needed confusion. Luke 15, 11 through 18, you're familiar with this story. And I think it's amazing because even with Elijah, it says, Arise, get thee. And as you'll see, in this, it says here in 15 to 11 through 18, it says, And the younger of them said to his father, Give me the portion of the goods that falleth to me. And he divided them unto, uh, unto, unto them his living. And not many days after, the young son gathered all them together and took his journey into a far country. And there wasted his substance with righteous living. And when he had spent all there, rose a mighty famine in the land and began to be in want. And he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into the fields to feed swine. And he would have fain have filled his belly with the husk that the swine did eat. And no man gave unto him. And when he came to himself, he came to himself. He said, How many hired servants of my father have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger? Same thing here. I will rise and go. Same thing Elijah had to do, right? Arise and go. To my father, 
and will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee. Secondly, the purpose. To better the purpose of Joseph and him being, being, going through what he did was to better the life of Joseph through tragedy. A lot of times we don't understand what we go through. People say it to us all the time. Well, you know, all things work together for the good. I remember the last time I preached, we, we used some of these things, uh, sayings that we said, we don't, it's not always, we don't always like to hear those things. We know those things, but we don't always like to hear them. But there was a purpose that Joseph had to go through the tragedies. First of all, he had to, he had to increase surrender. Here Joseph was, a privileged child. Never had to do anything in his life, but he had to learn how to, to surrender, did he not? He had to go from a life of pri privilege to a life of dependence. Who did Joseph have to learn to depend upon? God. Do you not think that Joseph had worries in his life when he was in the well? When he was sold into slavery? When Potiphar's wife accused him? Do you not think that he thought that he had thoughts run through his mind of what may happen to him? No family, no friends. In a foreign country. The only person that Joseph had to depend on was his God. And he had to surrender to what God had. The second thing that he had to do was to ensure stability. For him to realize where his strength lay. Joseph had to realize that his strength laid in the Lord. For us on Romans, Romans 8, 28, we can, say all, we can say that. We can say, well, we know all things work to the Lord, but it's not easy sometimes. We need to realize where our strength is. Our strength is not in ourselves. Many times we try to do things by ourselves, and all, and, and, and all it does is get us more and more depressed and more and more in trouble. But if we'll realize, as 1 Peter 5.10 says, but the God of all grace who hath called us into his eternal glory by Jesus Christ, after that you have suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. You want to have peace in your life? Depend on the Lord. He will strengthen you and establish you. The second thing we want to see is in, it was found in Genesis 50, 50 20. The reason that Joseph was sent to jail was, was the Joseph story was to feel, fulfill God's work. In 50 20, it says, But as for ye, you, ye thought evil against me. But God meant it good unto you to bring to pass, as it is this day, to save much people. See, one of the things that Joseph had to realize is he couldn't have bitterness in his life. 
Pastor Wagner has been preaching on that the last few weeks. We can't have bitterness in our lives. We can't have bitterness in our lives if we're going to have all things work together for the will of God. We need to make sure that things are right between us and others. Not only between us and God. It don't only extend here, but it extends outside the walls of the church. You may say, oh, Brother Jared, everything's right within the church. I'm right with everybody in the church, but it extends without the walls of the church. With your family, with your neighbors, with your friends. Yeah, but you don't know what they've done to me. But they're not a Christian. But you are. That's the problem. If you're a Christian, you're the one that's obligated to make it right. You see, Joseph was in God's will. He knew what his brothers had done to him. See, his brothers were still the same people that they were when they threw him in the well. You know how I know that? Because they were still worried about what they had done to him. Had they not? When they realized who he were, they kept thinking that they was going to pull revenge on him. It bothered them for years and years. But they had never told their dad the true story. Do you not think that if Jacob had been told the true story, that he had went to find him? I believe he would have, wouldn't you? But it goes on here and it says, Joseph as a slave, humility becomes before honor. It says, the fear of the Lord is the instruction of wisdom and before honor is humility. A lot of times we have to swallow our pride just like I'm talking about going and asking others to forgive us for what we do. You say, but I didn't do anything wrong. Sometimes we have to apologize anyhow to make things right. Many times I've had to ask people to forgive me and I know I'm right and they're wrong but because I'm a Christian I will do it for the purpose of God. Sometimes they'll accept it and sometimes they'll rebuke me. But at least I've tried to make things right. The purpose for Joseph's character, Genesis 39, verses 1 and 2, if you'll turn over there and look at it with me. It says, And Joseph was brought down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard, an Egyptian, brought him, bought him out of the hands of the Islamites, which had brought him down thither. And the Lord was with Joseph, and he was a prosperous man. And he was in the house 
of his master, the Egyptian. You see, God was building Joseph's character through this whole thing. He was making Joseph someone that they could respect. The Hebrews were dogs in the eyes of the Egyptians. God knew that he would have to build Joseph's character. He would have to make, them, make them, him someone that they could respect. I want you to notice two things that God taught Joseph, though, while he was in Potiphar's house. First of all, about his location. In Potiphar's house, he developed, he developed Joseph's capacity for service. He taught Joseph how to work. Remember, where was Joseph at before he came there? He didn't do a thing, did he? He sat on his daddy's lap. He was the chosen child. Second, second thing he taught him, God told him, was his lowliness. Joseph was a slave. He'd never been there before. Oh, Joseph had owned slaves. Jacob owned slaves. Jacob, Joseph was used to telling people what to do. And that developed his character for service. So two things that he learned in Potiphar's house was his capacity for service and his character for service. After Potiphar's house, Joseph became a statesman. He was the selection of, of, of Joseph as seen in Genesis 41, 40 through 41. As Pharaoh came to him and he said, Thou shalt be over my house, and according unto thy word shall all my people be ruled. Only in the throne will I be greater than thou. And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, See, I have set thee over all the land of Egypt. You see, God had turned Joseph, Romans 8, 28, all things for good. Had he not? The being thrown in the well, the ripping of his coat, Potiphar's wife lying on him, being mis telling the dreams and being left in the jail for three years or more. All things were for good. You say, what was the reward of this? How did God turn them for good? Well, you see, now Joseph was over his own parents' house. He was over Potiphar and Potiphar's wife's house. He was over the prison house. And he was over all Pharaoh's house. Joseph was in charge. And God had put him there. And then you see the service of Joseph. Genesis 41, 46 through 49. And Joseph was 30 years old when he stood before Pharaoh, king of Egypt. And Joseph went out from the presence of Pharaoh and went throughout all the land. And in the seven plenteous years, the earth brought forth by handfuls. And he gathered up all the food of the seven years, which were in the land of Egypt, and laid up the food in the cities. The food of the field, which was round about every city, laid he up in the same. And Joseph gathered corn as the sand of the sea very much until he left numbering, for it was without numbers. I want you to notice four things here about Joseph doing God's will that we ought to be able to do when we do God's will. 
First of all, when God told Joseph what to do, he was prompt. If you notice in verse 46, Pharaoh, say, Pharaoh told Joseph what to do. And what does it say? And it says, and Joseph went out from the presence of Pharaoh and went throughout all the land of Egypt. Joseph did it immediately. He knew the seven years of famine would come quicker than what they would be here. How many of y'all remember the year 2000? Denver, do you remember the year 2000 at Eastman? What did they think was going to happen to all the computers? It's all going to crash. I remember that. How many of y'all worked at Eastman and remember that? They was afraid all the computers were going to crash. And that was 20 years ago. See, Joseph knew that seven years was but a short time. So he was prompt. Number two, he was prepared. Verses 46 and 48 tell about his preparation. Joseph, Joseph had already, already knew what he needed to do. And he says he gathered all the food of the seven years which were in the land of Egypt and laid up the food in the cities, the, the food of the field which round about every city laid he up in the same. He knew that it needed to be stored and he already had the places in, ready to be done, for it to be done in. Number three, he was prosperous. You can see that through verses 46 through 49. As it tells about how, how it was without numbering, how the, the corn and all that stuff was, was, was given as the sand of the sea and very much until he left numbering. And he was precise. Joseph was very precise in what, what he was doing in his plan. You say, Brother Jared, what does all this have to do with us? Well, we ought to be prompt in what we do for the Lord. We, when God asks us to do something, we ought to be prompt and do it when he tells us to do. We ought to be prepared when we do something for the Lord. We ought to read God's word. We ought to pray about what we're doing for the Lord. We ought to make sure that we're in God's will when we do it. He was prosperous. You say, well, what is this? Is prosperous winning somebody to the Lord? Well, yes, that is. Winning somebody to the Lord is prosperous. But if we're doing it for God's glory, that is prosperity. Is it not? Romans 8.28 says, for his purpose. Right? That is prosperity. And he was precise. Go into it with a goal. Joseph had a goal. And number three, Genesis 49, 22 through 26, talks about to further God's ways. Now that Joseph was, in a, was going to be in a, was in a position that he was in, he wanted to further God's ways. But here he was, he was before his father, Jacob, or Israel, and he is getting a blessing. And if you notice and you read this in 49, 22 through 26, Joseph gets the longest blessing of all his brothers. 
says Joseph is a fruitful bowl, even as a bow by a well, whose branches run over the wall. The archers have sorely grieved him and shot at him and hated him, but his bow abode in strength, and the arms of his hands were made strong by the hands of the mighty God of Jacob. From thence is the shepherd, the stone of Israel. Even by the God of thy father, who shall help thee, and by the Almighty, who shall bless thee with blessings of heaven above, blessings of the deep that lieth under, blessings of the breast of the, of the womb, the blessings of the, thy father have prevailed above the blessings of my progenitors unto the utmost bound of the everlasting hills. They shall be on the head of Joseph and, and on the crown of the head of him that was separate from his brethren. Joseph received the blessing of his father. I want you to notice something here. It talks about Joseph near the well. We look in Psalms 1-3 and it tells us something about being by a well and it talks here about a tree being by the rivers of waters. It says, and he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaves shall also shall not wither and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. You see, Joseph was by the well, the well it's talking that that well is an example of Christ and it was the key of his survival. Just like a, a tree or a vine being by water. It is the key of their survival. They must have water. Even as Joseph did, we must draw near and dwell near the well of God. And God's holy word. This is especially important when we go through the droughts of life, when things are not going the way they should. Unfruitfulness is called by, caused by unfaithfulness. Why does Pastor Wagner talk to us about reading your Bible? Sign that sheet out there. To do that, he wants to give you to be accountability, some things like that. Why is he asking you to do that? Because he knows. Listen, if you come to him and you say you have a problem or you have a drought in your life, you know one of the first things he's going to ask you is whether or not you've been reading your Bible. Are you staying near the well? The question here is why would we move from where we get our nourishment and refreshing and then ask God why when we go through the valleys of life. It almost be like building a house without a kitchen. Or buying a house without a kitchen. Would any of y'all do that? Never putting a refrigerator in your house to have food. We wouldn't do that. We need the nourishment. And then I want you to look at Joseph doing God's will. I want you to notice that Joseph living by the well made him a perfect example of the person in Romans 8.28. He was one of those that loved God. He was one of those who were called according to his purpose. Would you all agree with that? 
He's also an example that was given to us that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. Because at the end, what did Joseph do? He gave the glory to God. He says, but Joseph did it the right way. He did it without bitterness and accepting God's plan and his will for his life. How did it turn out well? His father Israel blessed him. Am I right? He gave him the longest blessing, the lengthiest blessing. But that's not where it ends. God even honored his faith. In Hebrews 11.22, by counting him as a hero of the faith, by saying, by faith, Joseph, when he died, made mention of the departing of the children of Israel and gave commandment concerning his bones. To finish up, we'll read that verse again. Romans 8, 28. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. Let me make this last statement. We cannot see it all, but he that is all sees all. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this service tonight. Dear Lord, I thank you that you are a God who sees all, knows all. And Lord, things that will happen in our lives tomorrow, next week, next month, next year, five years, ten years, on into eternity, dear God, are not a surprise to you. We just ask, dear Lord, that you might help us to keep our faith in you. We ask, dear Lord, that you would help us to be as Joseph, to not let bitterness enter our hearts or our lives as we take this journey through life. And to realize, dear God, that it's, it's not, it's, the verse is not intended, dear Lord, for all things to work together for our good, but for your purposes. And we ask now, dear Lord, that you might be with the remainder of this service. We thank you for all that you've done. I thank you, dear Lord, for being with me tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.